From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey Clark. What is up, everybody? It's Wake Up War Champ presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Coming up on today's show, college football playoff format for the next two seasons has been revealed. The pros and cons of it, we lay it out, Corey and myself, and the Knowles winning on the hardwood and the diamond. Let's talk about it all. Wake Up War Champ presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, cptallybar.com, the website. You can always hit the QR code on your screen. It'll take you right to the website instead of having to type. Ain't that cool? Bill hooking it up. Also hooking you up with lunch today from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Only $8.99 for five-piece chicken wings and french fries. Best wings in town. Lots of options. Lots of options on the wings in terms of the flavors. Mild, medium, hot, honey barbecue, spicy barbecue, teriyaki, teriyaki heat, garlic parmesan, spicy garlic, Old Bay, lemon pepper, honey mustard, ranch. I, I could keep going. Literally, I could keep going. But you get the gist of it, everybody. Only $8.99 today at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Go have lunch. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Uh, treat yourself to Warchant.com, Ultimate Semmel Sports Source. If you're a subscriber to Warchant.com, you would have been able to save, I think, 20% off hats at Garnet and Gold. And they got all the awesome swag at uh, Garnet and Gold, GarnetandGold.com as well. 25% off headwear. But it was only one day. That day is now gone. But if you're a member, I'm sure you took advantage of it. If you're not a member, what are you waiting for? Come on over. Water is freaking fantastic. Speaking of fantastic, Corey. S. Clark in the house. What's up, Corey? How are you? What's up, buddy? How are you doing? I'm well. I'm well. How about yourself? This is a little later than we usually uh, convene, but glad a to hear your voice. A lot later. This is almost like this is going to drop after midnight because we're <laughs> recording into midnight and past it. This is like a literal, this is an old school wake up. I know. What happened to us? Did I get old? Did I was like, I, I think don't... you got old. I think I, I wouldn't have a problem recording at this hour uh, most nights, but I feel like you want to knock it out a little earlier than that i think norvell changed your life he did with the morning practices he did yeah man yeah. um yeah if i have to edit it you know if i could just be the talent and just talk and then be like i'm out yeah, that's true and then go to bed yeah, yeah go get on netflix we'll go watch netflix for a while yeah. by the way uh tree detective eh. yeah all right whatever it wasn't great uh i like tourist, the, I, have you heard of the tourist on netflix i have not no Watch that. I, okay. I mean, I'm I'm halfway through season one. It's set in Australia, but it's a really good show. That's good acting. It's uh, Jamie Dorman, whoever that is. Oh, that's uh, a but, Fifty Shades of Grey guy, I think. Oh, that is who that is. I knew I and I. Now that sounds like I've seen all the movies. I knew I recognized him from you know clips. <laughs> I haven't seen the movie. I haven't I haven't uh, seen the movies, but he's really good in it. Okay. And the whole the whole show is really cool. He's got like amnesia, so he doesn't know where he is and. But he's he's lived this life that he doesn't understand why people are trying to kill him. It's a cool show. I would I would uh, recommend it to folks. Okay, cool. There you go, everybody. Recommend sorry, sorry. I just threw no, that out there because I'm about to go watch it when we're done with this. <laughs> I love it, man. No, it's all no. Don't ever apologize. Uh, really, really enjoy that. Uh, we don't have to force a football today. We've got legitimate stuff to talk about. I'm sure you guys talked yeah. about it on headlines. So maybe if there's anything you left off, feel free to fill in the gaps here. Uh, two things I want to talk about. I want to talk about the Andy Staples uh, observation in terms of the latest saga twist, whatever you want to call it, in the ACC Florida State lawsuit that came out late last week that we really didn't touch on Monday. But just want to share my two cents on that, core. But first, 
the 12-team playoff, we knew it was coming. It was going to be a 6-6 model, six highest-rated conference champions, six at-large teams, but then that whole conference realignment thing happened. Pac-12 no longer. So it's going to be your five highest-ranked conference champions, not necessarily Power 5. So theoretically, the SEC and Big Ten can beat up on each other, uh, and the Mountain West can win out, and the MAC can win out, and whatever else is out there could win out. Um, but it's going to be the five highest ranked conference champions. And then the seven at large, seven highest ranked teams behind them. The college football football playoff will still be determining where those teams are ranked. Yeah. The, the really cool thing, I guess, and listen, I'm, I'm not a big, I don't, I don't like change. I don't like change. I like, I like, I like who I am. As Apollo Creed once said, I don't want to change. I like who I am. Mm. Um, but it's kind of neat to see this all lay out. It's a little bit scary, I guess, if you look at the bracket they put on the uh, Scott Van Pelt ESPN earlier here, Corey, where it shows, based on the rankings last year, what it would look like in this year's sort of layout. And we, we've seen what it would look like with last year's rules, with last year's teams, uh, Liberty making it. But li- basically, of the 12 teams that were in the playoff bracket, only one was not from the SEC or, or the Big Ten. But it's not going to work out that way because obviously some of these teams are in the same conference, so there's going to be other conference champions that are going to make it in there. That was well, like it was the, two, right? It was FSU and Liberty would have been the no, two? No, Liberty would not have been in there. Based oh, on these okay, rules gotcha. here, based on okay. these, oh, these yeah, new yeah, rules. Oh, yeah, yeah, gotcha. Right. Yeah. So it was only Florida State. Like Missouri's in there. Oregon's in there. Ole Miss is in there. You have Penn State playing Ohio State in one. But again, you know, some of these conference champions, like there's going to be maybe like a Mountain West team that's going to end up getting in there or maybe a MAC team. So we'll see how it goes. But I guess the cool part of this is that there is going to be those four teams get a bye, and then there's going to be eight other teams playing that first weekend. There's going to be a Friday game and then a triple header on Saturday. Ooh, I like that Friday night game would be pretty darn cool. Yeah. A home game on a Friday night. Well, I take it back. I screwed that all up. I screwed that all up. Oh, great. Come on. They're still on campus. The first, those first four games. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. Second, the second batch of games. Oh, I got you. Friday, single game. Friday night, uh, New Year's Eve, and then a triple header on New Year's Day with the, the last eight teams standing. Okay, that's I gonna like be that. pretty intense. That's gonna be pretty yeah. intense. Yeah. And then also, we know the the first round is gonna start December nineteenth and the twentieth. Okay. So the the quarterfinals New Year's Eve, man. It's it's either New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. So if you get that by, and I I know it'd be so awesome to play at Doke. I'm not gonna ever say I don't want to play at Doke, uh, but man, if you get that by, Corey, you're talking about an additional 11 days, maybe 12 days uh, of additional rest that you will get. So I, I wonder how that's gonna factor into things. What what are your your thoughts on some of these things that have come out? Yeah, you know, we hope this is something we have to actually talk about and think about uh, eight, nine months from now um, because it will apply to the team we're covering. But, you know, that rest versus the rust, right? Like, you know, that team that plays on, what would you say, December 19th? I apologize, 20th and the 21st, first round. So, well, either way. So they'll yeah. play a conference championship game, and then they'll have about two weeks to prepare and then a week of game prep, uh, like a week of a real practice and then play a game. So they'll only have three weeks off or like 19 days off as opposed to 30 days off. Yeah, some rust that comes with that. Uh, I think that I honestly think a home game that first round, if you win the game, which is a big if, that's you, you almost feel better about, okay, you've, you've, lit, you've played a playoff game, you've got, gotten that under your belt, that other team has not. And, yes, the rest will be beneficial, but that rust 
and the nerves that come with with it when you've already won a game. I think there's a there's something to be said about maybe wanting to be that five seed. You'd still want the buy, I guess. But I man, a lot of rest, I, man. We'll talk about it as we get close to this. And again, even if Florida State isn't involved, that four versus five, like, do you want to buy? Which is great. Sure, it's eleven days of extra rest. Or would you rather play the nine seed or the twelve seed? I guess mm. as a home game. And if you win that, you got some momentum going. You then you play basically what ten days later. Uh, I man, that seems uh, that seems like more advantageous to me than taking thirty days off. Okay. But that might be because you know I just watched a team take thirty days off and lose by sixty points. <laughs> And then Jim, even all of Jimbo's good teams, when they had 30 days off, they never looked like they did when the season ended. There was always, like, you try to find your footing. There's The rhythm isn't there. The timing isn't there. So I just think that's still in my brain. But, man, I, I could see a scenario where you'd rather be the five playing a home game than the three or the four getting that bye. Probably apples or oranges, but I, you know the Niners did not look good, and and neither did Baltimore. Um, yeah, man. You know, yeah. coming out of their bye weeks, uh, I don't I, think that's apples and oranges. I think there's a, a comparison you can draw from well, that. It's, it's a little longer though, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like they did not look in the first half against the Packers. The Niners, like they were on the ropes. I mean, they were on the yeah. ropes pretty much that whole entire game. I don't like the four bye weeks or the, or the four buys though. I just. I, that's the one thing I did like about the NFL expanding was like they did expand the playoff, but they like all right, you're only getting there's only one buy per conference because it used to be two, right? I think it used to be two buys yes, per conference. Yes, yeah. Yep, yep. I you know we'll see how the next round of this stuff goes, but I don't like four teams getting a bye week. I think like two should get it, and, and again, yeah, that's fair. we'll figure out how they're going to make it all work with all the teams that are involved. Second part of this though, Corey, again. It's going to be at least two more years. So this coming year, this 24 season, the 25 season, it's going to be this five plus seven model. And then after that, they will have renegotiated the TV contract for the playoff. And then they're going to, you know, probably shake it up again because we think that there's going to be realignment once more. Um, but man, if this is going to be really the the power too at that point right and i guess if you're a florida state fan you're you're hoping that you're going to be on one of these other yachts yeah. uh yeah. you know super cruisers or whatever they call them out there uh you know aircraft carrier because i mean when they re- renegotiate this a second time Corey, at least or in 2 years from now we think florida state will not be in the acc man it, it's going to be I don't know, like, what, five? I mean, if they keep it at 12 teams, at most there might be two teams that are not in the SEC or, or the or the Big Ten, I would assume. Yeah, and I think we kind of buried the lead on this. The five plus seven instead of the six plus six is important. That's something we need to talk about, um, and we did. But uh, as Ross Dellinger reported for Yahoo, and other people reported it too, and we'll find out more today because today they're meeting again. And the SEC and the Big Ten, according to Ross Dellinger, who we've had on the show, friend of the show, um, and is a very good college football reporter, he has uh, sources, very good sources, uh, the SEC and Big Ten are going to ask for unequal distribution, revenue mm. distribution, mm. meaning they're going to get more money than all the other conferences. And they're also going to ask for at least an extra automatic qualifier. So I would assume what they're going to say is if you make the SEC championship game, you get in. 
no matter what happens. What's the point of playing that game then? They're really going to dilute that. Exactly game. right. Yeah, they shouldn't even play it. But right. and they might get rid of the conference championship games. That might be something that comes from this. Not against but, that. Not opposed to that. Not opposed to that. But the point of everything is that uh, the Big Ten and the SEC only care about the Big Ten and the SEC, and they want more money. They want more power. They want more leverage, and they want more revenue distribution. They want an unequal share. So if there's $2 billion to go around, they want $1.6 billion of it, and y'all can, y'all can uh, the Big Ten and the, the Big 12 and the ACC and whoever else can split the $400 million or whatever, whatever the numbers are. The Big Ten and the SEC want an unequal revenue, which is what Florida State wants in the ACC, which isn't happening. But again, it just goes back to, and we did talk about this on headlines, they don't, the Big Ten and the SEC only, only, only care about the Big Ten and the SEC. Nothing about the rest of college football matters to them at all. And it just boggles my mind and frustrates me to no end that Florida State is painted as a villain for suing the ACC to try to get out of that conference. Meanwhile, I didn't see any columns written how Greg Sankey has ruined the sport and how Big Ten, the Big Ten has ruined the sport. And they're asking they, – they, they basically – not basically, they blew up the Pac-12. The Pac-12 has been around forever was yeah. it, since it was the Pac-8. Mm. And it, it ceased to exist. And yet Florida State is being uppity and, and not knowing their role or not enjoying their place because they want to get out of the ACC – but Greg Sankey isn't a villain. The Big Ten isn't a villain, even though they took USC, UCLA, Washington, Oregon and blew up an entire conference. Greg Sankey blew up the Big 12 because he took Texas and Oklahoma. No, Florida State is the villain for wanting to join those ships and not be on the Titanic, which is what they're currently on. Um, so, yeah, that just – again, they are going to come out. We're going to hear more about it on Wednesday. It will become a national story, what they're asking for, and then what is agreed to – as the ACC sits there and just has to wear it because they have no power. The Big Ten and the SEC control the sport, and they are going to get more money. It's not going to be equal uh, distribution because they want all of it. They want all of it. And Meanwhile, Florida State has to fight for scraps while Arkansas and Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Purdue, and Northwestern get twice as much money per year as Florida State, mm-hmm. and it really frustrates me. What do you think? Well, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to you're going to litigate and try to get out of this conference because yes, then we, we would not be complaining about this at all. And that's kind of the next part of this conversation to get to. But like, so again, two more years of this, the five plus seven model, five highest ranked conference champions, seven at large teams. Corey, following these two years, do you think it's more likely they stay at like twelve and they're just straight up like the six best, the six teams from the SEC, six ten, six teams from the Big Ten, or do you think they'll do like a sixteen team playoff and do some kind of, I don't know, man, you know, seven and seven, and then we'll just give two at large. You're like, you know, we'll let Cornell, like the NCAA term, we'll give, we'll give a, an automatic qualifier to these lesser teams. I mean, how much do you think they'll, they'll try to incorporate, try to keep some sort of facade of a nationwide national championship or how much of it is going to be big 10 sec challenge. Here's the problem with that question. Who is they? I guess Sankey and Petiti, right? I mean, they're right. They're running. That's what I'm saying. So, what do they care? They would rather be six SEC and six Big Ten teams, and everybody else can watch. So, there is no they as far as like the overall college football leadership that's looking out for the best interest of the sport. 
So no, they don't care. They, I mean, they might. I'm, I'm sure it'll eventually go to 16 because 12 is a weird number. And also the Division One AA, Division Two NAIA. I think those are all 16 teams. I feel like the the FBS will eventually get to 16 teams too because it's more money. It's two extra games. That's more money. That's a more content. Um, but they don't care. If they don't care, they do not give one flying f. If any other teams besides the SEC and Big Ten ever get in that playoff, ever. And so, again, that's why Florida State has to look out for themselves because I can promise you the Big Ten is looking out for itself and the SEC has only looked out for itself for 20 years. So, of course, Florida State should be looking out for itself. So, no, yeah, they might. I don't even know who they would be. Who would Like, Sankey's going to be like, guys, 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 we got to have uh, one group of five team in this. Says who? They don't – at what, the expense of Arkansas who went 8-4? Arkansas wants to get in. So I don't I don't foresee that the only – the people running the show are ESPN and Fox, SEC and Big Ten. I don't foresee why any of them would give one rat's ass if Liberty or FAU or FIU or FSU or Oklahoma State got into the playoff. They don't care. They just want to take care of the SEC and the Big Ten, which is why Florida State needs to be in one of them. Because the writing is all, has been on the wall forever, but it is clearly on the wall now. It'll be more on the wall later today and later this week. And as these negotiations develop, that the SEC and Big Ten are the NFC and the AFC. Hmm. And if you're in the USFL, you're not playing in the NFL playoffs. You've got to be in the NFC or the AFC to have any chance of ever doing anything important in this sport again. Currently, as it sits, there is a management committee of the college football playoff, uh, and there it's, it's 10 FBS commissioners and Notre Dame athletic director Jack Swarbrick. So, you know, I wonder if that's going to have some kind of blowback because you'd have to dissolve that committee, that management committee aspect of this, because what happened on Tuesday when they announced the five plus seven, it was voted on by 10 FBS presidents, like you know, school presidents were part of this, and then Notre Dame's uh, president as well. So... As long as those people have voices, you figure there's going to be some sort of access to this playoff. But the further this money gap grows, you know, it's it's like, who are you fooling? Then it starts becoming the 16 seed playing the one seed in the NCAA playoff. And now we've seen two of it. We've seen two upsets in the last whatever, five years, four years. Right. But it just, it's, it's not going to work that way in football. So, uh, you know, are, are we going to fool ourselves to try to, you know, for tradition's sake, Let's try to get some sort of geographic representation or let's give an underdog a shot in this whole thing. It's it's kind of scary to think about, but, you know, it is exciting, I guess, to, to maybe, look again, look at some of these brackets and think about these, the, this stuff. And if you want to plan ahead, everybody, the Fiesta Bowl uh, will be the first quarterfinal game and then the Peach, Rose, and Sugar, that's a triple header on New mm. Year's Day. So Knowles either at Doak. Or right. possibly, where where would you rather be, Corey? Would you rather be in Phoenix for New Year's Eve, or you want to be home in yeah. Atlanta? On, what are you asking me? Yeah, I want to be in Atlanta on New Year's Day. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe kind of. I when's the last time in the Phoenix for the for the Tennessee national championship? I was game? there for uh, yeah, Marcus Alton. I was never there. I don't, never ne- I don't ever want to go back. Really? Well, I mean, that was a gross game. It was. Yeah. P- Peter Warwick touched the ball once on <laughs> offense. Mark Rick, I'll never forgive you or forget it. That Peter Warwick got the ball once. Uh, meanwhile, Marcus Altson had the ball 40 times. But either way, um, uh, yeah, no, I don't need to ever go back to there. If, if the other option is Atlanta, yeah, buddy, I want to do Atlanta. Plus, I don't like the New Year's Eve games. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. it's like a 
Hopefully it's like a 6 p.m. start okay. or a 5 p.m. start. But, yeah, I don't like the New Year's Eve games. Well, it's peach, rose, or sugar. Would you rather Atlanta or New Orleans? New Orleans. That's a great question, Aslan. I appreciate you asking me. Yes, <laughs> I would rather be I'd rather be in New Orleans for New Year's Eve, I guess, than Atlanta. Um, all right, and then the last With thing. With my bride. It'll be my bride. Yeah. It'll be my wife. Can't my wait, wife man. at that point. That's right. Um, all right, and then the other aspect of uh, the college football landscape. Uh, I don't know if Jeff brought up on headlines, but I know he and Andy uh, Staples on three had discussed it over the weekend, maybe on Friday. Uh, again, didn't touch on it. Monday, my bad, everybody. I was getting back in town from the softball shenanigans. But, mm. you know, I guess the, the one part of the, the most recent filing, I guess the ACC was pretty much saying that, you know, kind of, you know, I guess Andy's theory was they've almost laid out the exit for Florida State. Like, it would work out to where Florida State would essentially just buy their own rights back from the ACC because there's there was wording in that complaint or the amended um, part of this lawsuit where the ACC said, listen, there there is not a penalty. Like, just because you have to buy it back does not necessarily mean a penalty. Basically, I guess, opening the door to a negotiation. Like, I didn't take it that way, Corey, so I'm you know probably the wrong perspective on this. I'm hoping maybe you've got a little bit more of a refined uh, outlook on this. But to me, that just almost sounded, you know, that's just kind of the posturing of this whole thing where, listen, if they want to leave, they can leave. There's just, there's financial stipulations in regards to this that they'll have to, you know, kind of reconcile. You know, they can do it if they want, but they, they're they going to have to pay money. That It felt to me that was more kind of a leaving the doors open in terms of saying like there are ways for them to leave, but we're going to get our pound of flesh, like believe that. Whereas I guess Andy was laying out like there's, there's a floor belief of like maybe $150 million to get out of the conference. And then maybe a ceiling of $570 million. If you can meet somewhere in the middle, Florida state is going to be content with it and then leave. Like I just don't think the ACC is going to lay that out. I mean, do you think that's what they took the first step of doing in, in this amended part of the lawsuit? Yeah, I just didn't read anything into that that language. I, that language has been in the contract forever. The you can buy back your grant of rights. That's always been there. Oh. Uh, that's that's not something that just was thrown into this. And it doesn't mean that the ACC is like here's your pathway if you want to. If you it, it, that's always been a path. Like when if they win their law, they can buy their grant of rights back. What's the number? Um, so yeah, man, I I thought that was there was way too much made of that and. Lord knows I'm all aboard Florida State getting out of this conference and finding yeah. one of those two super tankers uh, to land on. But I don't think that language, I thought, I don't think that language um, really illustrated anything. I, I just think that's the language that's been there and it's always been uh, part of the deal. Um, I don't know the numbers at all. I do know that, like, the ACC to settle would have to fear that they're not going to get a dime. Like somebody would rule and say, no, Florida State doesn't owe you that kind of money to get out of this conference. Are you crazy? So let's take the two hundred million or one hundred fifty million, whatever Andy was postulating. Let's take the one hundred fifty or two hundred million as opposed to zero. But if the ACC legitimately thinks there's no way that they're going to be paid zero dollars, well, I don't know why they would settle for anything less than what they think they're absolutely owed. So yeah, I, I, look, I hope this thing is expedited. I hope it happens very quickly within the next calendar year for sure. Um, but I don't, I, I don't know that the stuff that made made the rounds this past weekend didn't impact me one way or the other. I don't, I don't foresee that uh, 
that didn't change my stance, and that didn't it, that didn't raise okay. any eyebrows. I thought that was just the way it's all. It, to my understanding, that's the way it's always been worded. It does not mean that the ACC is like, hey, if you just give us this amount right now, you're on your own. Go have fun. I I think that's just part of the the wording of the contract. Oh, right. but I could be yeah. wrong. I'm not an attorney. Right, just the son of one. Um, yes. Yeah, I, I, I just, I just, I didn't want to be like Oscar the Grouch on this or something. I just, I felt like there was so much traction was built off of this. Like, hey man, it's happening. Like, this is becoming. Yeah, calm down, right? We're trying to be the voice of reason here. Calm down with that. <laughs> like, slow your roll with this weekend's quote unquote news and the the verbiage and the just slow your roll with that. That did not mean I, I do not think that meant what other people thought it meant. Vitaminenergy.com, everybody. You know the promo code WarchampBogo. You've been using it. We appreciate it. So do those folks over at Vitamin Energy, and they're Florida State fans, so they doubly appreciate it. Use that promo code WarchampBogo when you go to Vitaminenergy.com and you get an item of equal or rest of value for absolutely free when you add one into your cart. Try the variety pack. You keep asking me every time I see you on public, Aslan, does this stuff really work? I tell you, yeah. Mm. Then you're like, well, yeah. which, which one should I get? I'm like, try them all. You can't go wrong. In my hand, the Vitamin Energy Mood Plus, seven hours of energy. 260 milligrams of all-natural caffeine. It's also got niacin. It's got vitamin B6, vitamin B12, little potassium in there, some lemon balm extract, passion flower extract, valerian root extract, all this sort of stuff just kind of, you know, gets you in a good mood. It's in a real good mood. So try it. So head to vitaminergy.com. Use the promo code Corey. Or Champogo. That is right. And get an item of equal or lesser value for absolutely free, courtesy of our great friends at Vimeenergy.com. It is Energy with Benefits, world's first and only clinically proven, clinically tested energy shot. Shake it and take it, Vimeenergy.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Corey, if I, if I brought Mark Richt on the show, like would you actually, how much time would you want to spend actually cross-examining him on his Fiesta Bowl 1998-99 calendar year? He's plan. too nice a person, I think, yeah. uh, and it's been a quarter century at this point. Uh, I probably, I, I would probably ask one question: like, why didn't you line him up at quarterback more? Mm. He literally Aslan. I was there. I was in the yeah. end zone yeah. in Tempe, the very first play of the game for Florida State. The very first play of the game, Peter Warwick is in the shotgun to take a snap at quarterback, and then they get a delay of game because oh. that's that was Florida State in the late nineties. They got a lot of delay games. That was Mark Rick's specialty. Love you, Mark. You're a great offensive coordinator, but he had some delay. He would get delay games coming out of timeouts for having to call a timeout to avoid a delay game. <laughs> then the very next play, they get a win. Me and my well, when you're a Florida State fan in the '90s, you had to find something to complain about. Mm, right. You couldn't just enjoy it all. So that was our one thing was the delay games. But uh, but yeah, I w- because he never lined up at quarterback again the rest of the game. Literally, he's in the quarterback. He's in the shotgun, ready to take a snap. He takes the snap, but it's a half a second too late. They they get flagged five yards. He never lines up at quarterback again. And he had one catch for nine yards in the national championship game. So I would just ask him, like, why didn't you put him back at quarterback more? That's it. 
Uh, we'll be continuing our interview series in the offseason uh, on tomorrow's show. Or maybe we'll oh, is Mark Rick coming? No, we don't have Mark Rick oh, coming. Oh, that's out. too bad. Um, but we're continuing effort to get interviews. So we'll, we'll do an interview this week, probably mailbag next week because we just don't have – we're not flush with interview opportunities. And it was awesome to hear, like, I think on the Rosillo show I was listening to, because it's the only other podcast I listen to, just talking about, you know, how hard is the – I'm like, if he of – Number three, number four, highest ranked podcast has trouble getting guests. And like, I'm not going to beat myself up for not being able sure. to get guests. But we, sure. we got a guest for you this week, everybody. So it's going to be fun. Uh, be subscribed to the podcast. You always know when a show's dropping. So take advantage of that. Corey, you were at the Tuck on Tuesday night. Yep. Solid dub by Leonard and the boys against BC. What did you take away uh, from an ACC conference win for the Knowles on Tuesday evening? So this is going to sound harsh. I don't mean it to. Um, Darren Green couldn't play. Uh, because of an injury, I think. Uh, he wasn't even dressed out. Uh, Primo Spears is in somebody's doghouse because he didn't play a single minute. Um, he didn't 40 minute, he, he didn't play at all in the second half against Duke and then didn't play on Saturday, then didn't play a single second um, on Tuesday against Boston College. Uh, but he was dressed out, so he was available. He just didn't play. And uh, they looked really good without those two. And... Chandler Jackson, more. I guess the point is Chandler Jackson, they had no choice, really. They had to play him a lot. And, uh, yeah, man, he should be playing more. I don't know. I, maybe I'm just – he had a career high. So, I'm sure it's, you know, I'm, it's recency bias. Uh, but Chandler Jackson just does more things on a basketball court than Darren Green does. Uh, offensively, I should say. Ch Chandler can get in the paint. He's a better distributor. Um, can, can shoot. You know, probably not as well as Darren Green. Clearly not as well as Darren Green. But Darren Green, let's be honest, hasn't been a knockdown shooter. He's shooting 38%, which is the best on the team. He's their three-point sharpshooter. But he hadn't been great this year from beyond the arc. You know, Boston College has a kid that's shooting 46%. Chandler Jackson made all of his threes on, on Tuesday. And I just think Watkins and Chandler Jackson, that's a nice combo, man. They played really well. Um, they're still not great defensively. They're not going to be great defensively, but they, uh, they're not bad offensively. They don't shoot it well, although they shot pretty well for them on Tuesday night. Uh, but yeah, I thought they, uh, they, 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 uh, they did not beat a good team, let's say on, on Tuesday, but Boston college isn't horrible. They're 15 and 11. They just beat Miami, uh, last week. So this isn't the Boston College that went 4-26 and that one year. It's a pretty uh, – it's an okay team. And, yeah, Florida State looked good. It was nice to see them play like that and close out a game. And when they were down 61-60 to with like 11 minutes to go and they were giving up a lot of easy buckets, they did kind of clamp down on defense when it mattered to go on a 10-0 run that changed the game and won them the game. Uh, Boston College didn't score for like three minutes. Uh, Florida State forced three turnovers. They had two steals. Nickelberry hit a three, which that was great to see. Heaven knows. Um, so yeah, that was uh, it was a nice win. It was a nice dub after a three-game losing streak. Don't can't take too much away from it. They're still not making the tournament. Um, they're still gonna barely probably eke to a winning record. You hope it's gonna be close. They're gonna be right around 500 because they got some tough games coming up, including Saturday night at Clemson. But uh, yeah, man, it was it was nice to see them get a W. And they swept Boston College, which is always good. Nice. Hey, you spoke to Luke Lauk, speaking of hoops, over the weekend. Mm. Um, does he aspire to be a – would he ever – do you think college is in his future at all, or do you think he's – is he an NBA guy now? So, yeah, I asked him that. You can go watch the video on uh, on our YouTube channel. Um, yeah, I asked him that, and you could tell he didn't 
he didn't squash it. Mm. He is he wasn't like no 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 chance. And look, man, we're all we're all adults here, right? Like Luke Lauks has been an NBA coach. For, he's been in the NBA since 16, working with the Warriors as like a film coordinator, uh, player developmental guy. And then the last two years, he's been an actual assistant coach for the Sacramento Kings. Um, so he's learning at the top of the he's learning at the pinnacle of the sport as an assistant coach. Um, he's mid, low. He's mid thirties, maybe. His last year was 2012. So I'm, he was the class of 2009. What does that make him? 33, 34? Sure. Um, somewhere in there. So he's a younger guy. He played at Florida State for four years. He is a coach. The, the, head co- the current head coach at Florida State is 75 years old and will be going into the last year of his contract next season. There will be an opening at Florida State soon. Whether it's at the end of this year or at the end of next year, there will be almost certainly an opening at Florida State soon. I have to imagine Luke Lauks is one of the candidates. Hmm. I don't know. He's certainly not the only one. I'm not saying he's a he's sliding in as a head coach and waiting, but yes, I do get the I do get the indication that he would be interested. I think that would be an interesting choice. Um, he's certainly learning. He's getting his bona fides coaching for a playoff caliber team in the NBA. Uh, but there will be other candidates, I'm sure, that would want to would want to coach at Florida State. But he's also a knoll. You know, he's here for four years, went to the tournament for four years, was part of an ACC championship team, um, and is a younger guy. So, uh, so he's certainly an intriguing candidate. And yes, I do think that uh, my impression was that he certainly, when I asked him that, did not just completely rule it out and say, "No, no, I want to be an NBA head coach." I, I you could tell, head coach is head coach, and being the head coach at Florida State or any college, um, I'm sure would be something that's appealing to him. Let's stay in that hypothetical universe for one last question on that. Um, right. Could Laux out interview Sam Cassell, or like if Sam, let's say Sam Cassell, I don't know. I mean, I, who knows? I, I I would think that he's tried for so darn long to be in the NBA that he's going to keep trying, but maybe he's sick of trying. But like, would Cassell's bona fides just be too much for a guy like Laux to overcome? I mean, it's a good problem to obviously have, but like. Would that just be like, well, man, we just this guy, he's been doing it forever, like pretty much. Yeah, it's interesting because Cassell is pro. I mean, I don't know what how old Sam Cassell is, 52. Um, he's been in the NBA legitimately. He was a, he's from Baltimore. 54. So he has no, so he's, he has no ties to the state of Florida. He was in, he's from Baltimore. Um, he played at Florida State. He was at Florida State for a year and a half uh, because he, he went Juco and then went to Florida State and was awesome. One of the best that ever that's ever been here. I think his numbers. In the rafters, right? Maybe, maybe yes, it's not. It, is. it should it be is. if it's not. Yes. Yes. Um, but it should be. If, yeah. So he's one of the best that's ever been here, and he played in the NBA forever. And he's he's been a part. He's been a part of the NBA for thirty years. He was at Florida State for a year and a half. If Sam Cassell would be interested in coming and coaching at Florida State, absolutely, you are interested in him. And. I mean, he's coached under the, you know, he's coached the best players in the world. He's been a part of the best league in the world for three decades. He's got a championship pedigree, maybe not as a coach. I don't remember if he's yeah, ever he been on it. Yeah, we won with the, uh, I think with the Celtics. The, the Celtics, too. yeah. I know he won two as a player with the Rockets. Actually, you're right. No, he was, I thought he was like an assistant. 2008, yeah. He was uh, He was still playing ball, yeah, for the Celtics. He hasn't known oh, so he's got. Yet. so he's got three rings. Yeah, the, uh, so yeah. He, Rockets yeah, and so, the Celtics. So he's got a championship pedigree for sure. If he's interested in being a college head coach at Florida State, um, I would absolutely be interested in him. I just don't know how how interested he would be. I don't know that um, 
you know, I, I've always assumed he would get a crack as a head coach in the NBA because he's been a, he like Luke isn't the way the NBA hierarchy works on a coaching staff. You have like your top assistant, obviously, and then your second, third, fourth guys. Luke is not Mike Brown's top assistant for the Sacramento Kings. He's an important part of the staff. He's an assistant coach. He's a bench coach. But Sam Cassell, I feel like, has been Doc Rivers' top assistant for a long time. And I don't know who he – who does Sam even work for right now? He works for the Celtics right now, but he was with the Clippers from 14 yeah. to 20, which I think overlapped with Doc. With yeah, Doc, he was yeah. with Doc for, yeah. for that whole time. And, then and the now Sixers. he's with who? Well, he's with the Sixers. He was with the Sixers when Doc was there, too. Now he's with the Celtics. Yeah. He's with the Sixers. As an assistant coach, right? Correct, yeah. Yeah, so, like, I – man – I mean, I you know, there are only so many college or any head coaching jo jobs that come open at all. It's an ACC job. I get it. Um, but would he want to come back to college, which he has not been in for 30 years, to take over as a head coach? Or does he want to hold on and try to get it? Because there's such different He's 54, games. though, man, right? Like, how much longer are you going to hang on? Well, you know? right, yeah. But, I mean, you look around the NBA, there's a lot of guys that age that are coaching. Um, but Not getting their first Flor jobs, though, right? Well, right, but Florida State's head coach is 75 um so yeah i mean I, my point being you can still yeah you're right there aren't many nba guys that get their first job at 54 but like there aren't many college guys right. that get their first job at 54 either um, adrian griffin was 49 years old and he even make it one year with the the bucks for as much time as he was you know waiting and hanging yeah, on for. yeah so i it, it would be it would be fascinating with Cassell, if he's genuinely interested, and I have no idea. I have literally none. Hypothetical I, world is, we're in here, everybody. This is pure speculation. If he's interested in coaching Florida State, you have to factor in, okay, this guy, he's a he was a great Seminole, but he has not been a part of – he has not been in the college game for 30 years. Think about how much that sport has changed from the time he was playing Christian Leitner mm. to now. Like, it is a different sport. And also, the NBA is so different than college. But then again, Luke is in the NBA. So if it's those two, would you rather take the guy that's been in the NBA for 30 years and has been a coach for 15 or 12 or whatever it's been, or a guy that's been a coach for two or three? Like, I think it will come down to um, – well, let me just say this. If, if Cassell and Luke were both very interested in it, well, then, yeah, Michael offered. I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> uh, like, I, I, both of them are crapshoots, man. Yeah. Like, the, it's all a crapshoot. Look, man, you can't convince me that Sam Cassell – Sam Cassell must know the X's and O's better than anybody either of us have ever met or ever will meet, or any of you will ever meet. If you've been coaching in the – if you played in the NBA for 15 years and you and won championships and then coached in the NBA for 15 years or whatever it's been, 10 years, man, there is no scheme, no X's and O's, no play, no out-of-bounds, nothing that you can not know. You know it all. It is a matter of getting players. Yeah, It is player acquisition. And that's the heart of all of it. Luke Lauks, I, I trust what he knows, his basketball knowledge, and I absolutely trust what Sam Cassell knows. It would be more about who do I trust to be able to fill this roster with talent? Who has connections to fill this roster with talent? And look, man, there's the, kid, the, guy, the coach at South Florida has done an amazing job in one year. He turned that program completely around. The guy from Kennesaw State, who got them, I think, to the tournament, and then is now at South Florida and has them playing unbelievably well. Amir Abdurrahim. They were. Yeah. So, you know, he might want to coach in the ACC. Mm, all right. He's probably more of a 
you know, if it came down to guys that had never been a head coach before or a guy that's been a good coach at two different schools, you know, that's another choice you got to make. But he's not a no. Luke right. Lauchs is a no. Sam Cassell was a no. So, yeah, I don't. I, it's it's uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be int- really interesting to watch for sure. I I have no dog in the fight. That's the saying, right? Yes, correct. Um, uh, but I uh, but I, I, there will be some real candidates. It would be cool if Cassell or Lauchs was the next head coach, though. That would be really yeah. neat. I think. I just feel like when it comes to professional versus college football, I think it's it's such a slam dunk to want to be an NFL head coach or shoot. I mean, even I, it is now. I, yeah. For sure, I mean, with I, the NIL and the, in the portal. Yeah. And, I, and maybe it's like the inverse right now. Like, do you want to be a head coach? I mean, you know, that's the pinnacle of it, but like with the amount of power players have in the NBA right now, yeah. like Giannis got Adrian Griffin fired. Like they were eight games yeah. above 500 or whatever. He's not even his first full season. He gets fired. Like players have that much sway, and and I'm like Darvin Ham's hanging on by a thread every other week in L.A. right now because of LeBron, right. and that's what LeBron does. I mean, not necessarily that Sam would be paired with somebody of that big stature as a star player, but like that's that's what you need to win in that league. Like you need to have big time stars, but it's so fickle. But then like so is college, but maybe it's a little there's a little bit more maybe. You know, you control your own destiny in college. Like I can go get these guys, and once they're in my program, like they they will buy in and they will they will play hard because they will get all their guarantees that they want, and and they'll feel good. Well, and again, and I, and I think both of them would modernize the 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 I don't know the, just the offensive and defensive schemes that Florida State has. Clearly, I just we're not we're not going to rotate like just one fry. We're not going to rotate everybody. Just just you're not and you're not going to switch everything, switch and everybody. you're also going to get guys that can shoot, and uh, you're not going to just. You, it's not going to just be a, a bunch of ball movement. And, and look, man, I'm saying this is Florida State has a pretty darn good offense this year, even without shooting. Uh, and by the way, I wanted to point this out. Jameer Watkins is just an awesome uh, – I shouldn't say awesome. He is a very good college basketball player, man. I love – that kid – you can't say it for everybody on the team. That kid is a very good college basketball player. He had 22-11. and 11. They had 11 rebounds in the first half, Aslan. He had seven of them. And he's the second smallest guy on the court for them. Uh, he's just he's he's a his his season and his ability is kind of getting lost in a 500 type campaign. But he's a he's a good player, man. But yeah, you know, again, I think I think any any coach you bring in is going to bring a, a a new outlook, fresh eyes. He's got to modernize uh, some of the play. Luke and Sam, especially because they're at the NBA, they're at the pinnacle where it's all shooting and you spread everybody out and all that. But again, what does it matter if you can't get guys to play for you? If you can't get players here, it you could be the smartest coach in the world. You're not going to win anything that matters if you don't get good players. So my my if I was the AD, if I was Michael Offord, my number one priority is I want to make sure the person I'm hiring has connections they can either raise money to get players or recruit at a high level to get me players so we can win games because getting players is the number one, especially in college basketball. Well, every sport. What am I talking about? But in college basketball, if you get too bad, you can get to the NCAA tournament, get to the Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. Like you get two really awesome players, like top 20 NBA picks, and then the rest are just guys, you're going to be pretty darn good. And who who gives you the best chance of bringing those guys in to make Florida State relevant again in basketball? That those were the those are the discussions that would be happening, I would think, 
um, you know, after this season is over and certainly into next season because I can't imagine um, I can't imagine Leonard getting an extension. And I certainly hope he doesn't play hardball and is like, hey, if y'all don't give me an extension, I'm leaving. Like, I hope he lets him – like, the way you envision it now, right, Aslan, we talked about this on headlines. The way it probably plays out now, we all think, is they have been not an embarrassment this year. Yeah. The record is 14-12, and 12, guys. We get it. They're not great. They were 9-20 and 20 last year. They were disgusting. The year before, they were barely better than that. And Wyatt Wilkes got punched in the stomach in their last game. <laughs> And nobody on the court did anything about it. Nobody. Not Wilkes, who was crumpled over. I get that. He was punched. But nobody, none of his teammates, nobody did anything to Bayheim's kid when Wyatt Wilkes got punched in the stomach. And then the next year they go 9-20. and 20. They have gotten, I think they've gotten that element out of the program. It is not an embarrassment to watch this program anymore. They are not great. They are not all that talented. But they do play hard. And they are watchable. And they do score points. They're not, They're just. They're much more fun to watch. They're much more fun to cheer for because you know they're playing hard. They're at least trying. Yep. And they got some nice players. Jameer Watkins, good player. So, you know, they're not. It's not an abject embarrassment and horror show like it was the last two years, in my opinion. But so even still, it's going to be three years in a row missing the tournament. You know. So the. But the point is, it is good enough, in my opinion. That Leonard, in my opinion, this is my opinion. I get you guys might be yelling at me. He has earned the right to have have himself a farewell lap next season. He's going to turn seventy six. If he wants to coach next year with no years left on his contract, if he's willing to do that, which I hope he is, then I hope that happens, and they will have a plan in place to have his successor ready by by this time next year. And also, think about all the stuff that's going on right now with this university, man. Do they really want to be hiring a basketball coach in the midst of all this? They're in a lawsuit for their lives to try to get out of this blooming conference. They probably don't want to go pay somebody a couple million dollars to not coach and then go try to conduct a national coaching search for a pretty important sport when they can have Leonard. Because he's, again, if they were, if they were as bad as they were last year, I'm not saying this. He needs to be gone. But they're not. They've shown improvement. They are a, a, a serviceable ACC team. They're above 500 in the ACC. They're not horrible. They're not losing every game by 30 points. They're winning some, and when they do lose, they're they're you know again. They're what does one by more year give you points. though? What, why why it gives we do- you? It gives you a chance where it doesn't have to get ugly with Leonard Hamilton. No matter what happens. You're not going to be an NCAA tournament team in one year, probably. There's going to be a turnaround. You're going to lose some players. It gives you a chance to get your ducks in a row to make sure you make the right hire. And, it, you know, again, I think the fact that, you know, look, I, I would get it either way. If you're like, no, 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 we're, we're done. I would get that from Alford's perspective. But it's also like sometimes, you know, Leonard Hamilton has done a lot for this program. The, the team has gotten appreciably better. Maybe you do give him his farewell lap and say, okay, you're going to announce your retirement before the end of the year, just like Mike Martin did. Now, obviously, Leonard Hamilton hasn't come close to accomplishing what Mike Martin did. But, you you know, you give him a chance to go out, quote-unquote, on his own terms. Maybe you do a head coach in waiting. I don't know. Maybe you bring one of those two guys we were just talking about onto your staff. Then he can learn the ropes for a year, make the connections he needs to make, 
because they haven't been in, they haven't been a college assistant either one of them, and then they can take over in March of 2025. That's the only thing I'd be on board on. And who am I? But and I love Leonard Hamilton. And I, I really do. It's an incredible what he did. But I, I just don't know like this farewell tour. There's no guarantee it's going to be roses. You know, I felt like oh, this no, was they, this is a good way to salvage be- everything. Like. All right, like you, you walk away with your dignity. Everyone is so appreciative of what you've done. I feel like even another year of like, even if they go eighteen and thirteen, you know, I just don't know what's what's so much a better of a feeling about that. But if you do, you know, figure out a head coach and waiting thing, I'm all for that. I, I, think, I think that makes sense. I, I think what you'd say there though is that do you want to pay? What are you going to have to pay Luke Lauks or Sam Cassell or the guy from South Florida or whoever else, the guy from Indiana State, uh, Kennesaw, or the guy from Florida Atlantic, if he was ever going to leave? What are you going to have to pay them to come coach you? Because you're going to have to pay Leonard Hamilton $2 million a year to not coach you. So are you willing to take that hit financially when you're trying to scrounge together as much money as you can? Yeah. Or I guess the opposite side of that is what's another $2 million when you're going to be having to spend hundreds of millions maybe, potentially, to get out of the conference with this stupid lawsuit? I don't know, but you're going to be spending a lot of money on this lawsuit. You're going to spend a lot. You're spending a lot of money on this stadium renovation. You're always spending money on football players. You know, two million dollars to get your head coach. You know, to just fire him to hire someone that's never coached college basketball before. Maybe it would behoove you to get that that person on your staff as an assistant for a year, and then they could take over. But again, this is pure speculation, folks. I don't want you guys to think that like. Oh, Corey videoed Luke. Corey talked to Luke on Saturday. He must have got the insight. No, no, no. All what you saw in video is the the talk I had with Luke Lauks. I did. I'm I'm not. We haven't had a 40 minute phone conversation about his plans. This is all speculation about what if I was Florida State, what I might look to do hmm. uh, to make it again. Just to make. I don't want it to get ugly, but it probably will get ugly, and that's what saddens me. I just don't want it to get ugly. Yeah. I don't want to make it ugly. I want Leonard deserves. Well, who deserves it? I would love it if Leonard got to um, not be terminated or yeah. relieved of his duties. But again, he's in a competitive sport, and this will be three years in a row of not making the tournament. This year is not a fireable team. Correct. Last yeah. year's absolutely was. Yeah. So that's what you have to. And what what's the hope that it gets better next year? Yes. You know, are you, you, you yeah, and I see what you're saying. Like Leonard doesn't just get to coach in perpetuity. We're not we're not all here for Leonard Hamilton's feelings. But at the same time, if if you if you put that a little bit on the back burner anyway, because you've got all this other stuff that you've really got to address that's more important, quite frankly, than uh college basketball, then uh, you know, maybe you let him ride out with one last farewell lap around the track. I don't know. Twenty one minutes of boops talk. How about that? Was that really it? Yeah, that's incredible, oh right? Gosh. This will be a short show. Go. Yeah, I know. Let's go. Let's get to baseball and wrap it up. Um, but first, mybookie.ag promo code WARCHANT. Use that when you sign up for the first time. You get an instant cash deposit bonus. Futures. How about the ladies when it comes to winning the national championship? South Carolina and Dawn Staley, the odds-on favorite at plus 119. The defending champs, plus 720, the LSU Tigers. Mm. My girl, Kim Mulkey. Love you, Kim. Yeah, yeah everybody. Who could, how could you not love her? Caitlin Clark and the Hawkeyes, plus 750. UConn, plus 1425. 
just feel like that's, you know, just always want to kind of think that UConn's got a shot, but maybe maybe those days are long gone. Maybe those days are long gone, but I don't know. Gino's the second winning as coach now in, in history. Made yeah. ahead of K, so. For yeah. some reason, Florida State's not on this list. Creighton is at plus 28,000, which is bizarre. Oh, yeah, there they are. Florida State, plus 40,000, kids. Okay. Why not? Why not us? Um, bet responsibly, everybody, for real, please. Bet responsibly. Bet what you can. Don't chase. Um, make a budget. Follow it. MyBookie.ag, promo code WARCHAMP. Promo requires $50 minimum deposit and rollover requirement of one-time or deposit total, including the bonus for withdrawal. For full terms and conditions, visit MyBookie.ag slash about-us. We've got a really cool job, everybody. Uh, some of you might have to like do rock, papers, and scissors to determine like what your teammate in your office is going to do or flip a coin. Corey and I, I'm like, hey, Corey, so we won't do a show on Wednesday unless hoops and baseball wins. Mm. But that's what that was our flipping of the coin. Like if they both win, yeah. we'll do a show. If they don't, we're not doing a show. We're talking to you. That's because obviously basketball, when we talked about it, the shout out to the baseball team, Corey, a real good yeah. win over a, a JU team. That's pretty darn solid. Seven to four back and forth battle the entire way. This might've been one of those games. I think Florida state loses last year. And for as bad as last year was, and it was terrible. It was like the worst season in program history, or at least the worst in yeah. like 50 years yep. or something crazy like that. They were very competitive in a lot of games. They would jump out to leads. Like Link would be able to to push the buttons and get them motivated. And they would, they'd have a lead after three innings, and then they would lose it, and then it just things would slip away from them. And in this game, they had the lead early. They, they tacked on two runs early in the first inning. JU storms back, and they tie it up in the sixth inning, and it's 4-4 four four tie. And in the ninth inning, Florida State just kind of leans on, kind of finally overwhelms them. They, they were aggressive on the base paths. They took advantage of the mistakes that JU made. Jaime Ferrer had an RBI single. That was the go-ahead. Then they scored on a wild pitch. And then our guy Marco Dinges uh, had a sack fly. Uh, they played it three runs in the ninth inning. And Connor Whitaker like, was dealing, and then he just ran out of gas so fast. Yeah. like He fell off a cliff, it seemed like. Uh, allowed a, an RBI triple. That's when they gave him the hook. And then, man, Carson Dorsey, this kid, three and two-thirds and got the win, and he rung up 10, 10 guys, 10 punch-outs. And that's going to be, I think, the real key to this team, Corey. Offensively, they'll they'll figure it out. They're, you know, Cantu starting at first base. Dingus, or Dinja, sorry, was pinch hit as a was pinch hit in this game. Uh, they've got Max Williams. McGuire Holbrook is platooning at catcher like they're they're going to figure it out defensively and all and, and at the plate but man if, if they can get some pieces in the bullpen to to find roles and I'm, I'm not expecting him to come out and, and light the world on fire Dorsey every night and, and, and ring up 10 guys but if they can get something kind of close to that that that's that's the real question mark and if they can figure that out this team uh, certainly is going to compete for a spot in the in the 64 team tournament yeah, you would think. I, I need to seven see to more four arms. win. By the way, sorry everybody. Seven yeah, to beat four Jacksonville. Uh, I need to see more arms. I'm I'm aboard with the offense. I think the offense will be good. Um, the the defense is going to be average ish. You think? Right. Uh, the pitching, you know, you I we'll have to see. There's so many unproven arms. You know, Whitaker isn't one of them. Whitaker is proven, but yeah, you don't know. You know, he pitched. Uh, I don't know what five and a third. So and he's not your midweek limit? guy, and he's not your midweek guy. He's supposed no, to be your I, Sunday No, but it's guy. also like, right. you know, that's kind of early to be going into a sixth inning of yeah. the season. Like, yeah. it's the first start of the year. 
So, you know, you, you maybe he can't go seven innings right now. Maybe he's a four or five inning guy. But, you know, the Dorsey kid, it would appear that Link has a lot of confidence in him. I know he pitched he was the I think he was the first guy out of the pen on Friday night too against uh Butler after and that was still a game, I think. Uh, when it was three nothing, I think he came in in relief a lighter, and then he came in in this game um, when they when Whitaker started giving it up and he got the win. Yeah, man, he's a lefty with some electric stuff. So yeah, I just think I, I want to see more of the pitching, but this is a good start, man. It's it's encouraging. Um, you know, it's hard to even know about the defense right now, Aslan, because in their first game they struck out twenty two guys, and in this game, what did they strike out? They struck out sixteen. Yep. So in in Dorsey, he got eleven outs, and ten of them were by strikeouts. So it's hard to know. The defense isn't getting tested a lot yet. It will as you start facing better teams. Obviously, more guys are going to put the bat on the ball. You have to make more plays. But I do like I like the length of the lineup. I like that they stole four more bases. I like that they walked uh, almost as much as they struck out. Uh, they struck out less than ten times as a team on offense. They put the ball in play. They seem to have good at bats. It's a long lineup with a lot of power. Even though they didn't hit any home runs, they uh, they put the ball in play, which so far, at least through three games, small, small, small sample size, is good to see. So again, when you go whatever they went, the mo- when you've lost when you lost thirty one games the year before, it's the worst season in school history. I don't care who you beat. To start out three and zero is a big deal, especially because there's so many new guys on the team. Well, they started so, out really good last year too. Yeah, but, but. They, they, they. I guess they this did. feels real, though. This yeah. feels real. It does. But it also, does. when it, it's it's important when you're playing the Butlers and Jacksonvilles of the world, it's important to go. And you're at Florida State. You need to go win those games early in the season. Build yourself some confidence, man, and and learn and learn to win. Learn what it feels like to win. To feel like a winner. Like all that stuff matters. There's a lot. Like Cam Smith, Tibbs, Ferrer. Very talented players. They all might play in the major leagues right now. They are not. They have not been winning college baseball players. No. They have not been. I, I would guess their record through two seat. Well, Cam Smith is under 500 last year, and I would assume Ferrer and Tibbs through two years are about 500. They don't. They They lose. They're used to losing much more than any Florida State players have ever been used to losing. So it's good, no matter who you're playing, to start off with some confidence. But yes, it's it's a small sample size. I just I like that they have some speed. They have they have dudes that can run that are big and physical. The pitching I just don't know enough about them yet. Yeah. I just don't know who the close is. This kid the closer? <laughs> is he the is he the uh, the bridge guy to the closer? It's it's hard to know roles yet. But I do like what I've seen. I like that they won on the road. I know that's not really a road environment. There are there were probably more Florida State fans at that game than Jacksonville fans or close to it anyway. But I like that they won away from Hauser their first time out. I think that's something. That's something to be said for that. They won an extra innings. There's something to be said for that. Uh, I think it was extra innings, right? Ten innings? What? On, just go nine. No, it was, it was nine. Yeah, they they, they, they – Oh, they, they won in the ninth. Yeah, okay, the top they, of the ninth. They, they, they scored the yeah. runs in the ninth. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, man, you know, that's that's good to – you know, 4-4 going to the ninth, not in Dowser to get that win. It's good to see. Um, they're missing bats. They got some elite arms, I think. Um, but yeah, we we still don't know nearly enough about this team yet. But it, it would appear, in my opinion, to be better. And you'd always rather start out three and zero than zero and three. How about that, Aslan? I think they started out last season six and zero, but um, we'll see how it they shakes were six and zero last year. Yeah, yeah. And what they finish? Twenty three and thirty one. 
So they went 17-31 and 31 the rest of the way. As soon as Crowell got hurt, right? Yeah. They just packed it in. Yeah. They beat TCU. They came yeah, back home that. and beat USF. Uh, yeah. San Francisco, though, I think. I don't think that's South Florida. That's a weird-looking logo. Maybe, maybe that it's is the USF. Dons. It could be the Dons. It could be <laughs> San Francisco Dons. And then they lost to Florida Gulf Coast. They lost that series. Yeah, Florida Gulf Coast hit a million home runs. Dong yeah. City. <laughs> um, I, I do wonder, you know, with Whitaker being like slated as the Sunday guy and him going five innings, like that, maybe that is like what we saw is ideally how it would work out maybe, but probably not, you know, viable or sustainable. But he's probably going to give you like five or six, I would think, right? I mean, if he's going to be your Sunday star, that's all you're really hoping to get, and then you just Johnny Holstaff the rest of the way, usually on Sunday. Yeah, but who's right? the who are those guys? Yeah, you're well, gonna, and we don't know yet. I mean, and I think Link – I do think Link is going to try out a lot of guys, and he might cost himself a game doing it. But he's got to find – he is not going to be – I don't think he's a coach that even with a good team is going to be like, okay, I got the two bullpen arms I trust. Everybody else could pitch when it's eight to nothing. But these are the two guys that any tight spot I'm going to bring in. I think he wants – he's going to want six or seven guys that he can bring in at any spot. And he's going to do some tinkering and he's going to do some mixing and matching. And uh, it might backfire a few times. But uh, uh, clearly the Dorsey kid who's new um, – you know that's that's a guy that he seems to really value because he's pitched in two. They play they you know they played in two semi close games again when Dorsey came in and on Friday night against Butler it was only three to nothing, uh, but he pitched in that game and then uh, he pitched in this game when it was tied. Mm-hmm. It pitched his butt off. So clearly Dorsey is a guy he's trusting. We know what he what he thinks of Leiter and Arnold. Whitaker, you know what you get out of him. Well, you you kind of know five innings. That's fine. Yeah. That's you can deal with that on a Sunday. Uh, it's those other guys. It's it's pitchers five through eleven. We still don't know enough about yet. Wow, we went an hour. Oh my god, did we really? Yeah. Are you gonna still go watch that show? I guess Aslan. I guess, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna finish the season. I can tell you that much. And Stephanie's already asleep. Well, that sounded weird. Like I wanted to. I'm not saying we were gonna. We were planning on doing anything. I'm supposed to actually. I'm supposed to try on my wedding suit. Oh, uh, she she got that today from the altar. So I'm, as soon as we we're done here, I'm going to try on the suit to make sure it fits. And she wants to see me in it. OK, I can't right. promise what happens after that. Game. Yeah, man. Shoot. You know what I'm saying? All right. Wake that's- up. Wake up. <laughs> that's, that's a wrap for us. We'll probably do a show tomorrow on Thursday because we got an interview lined up on Wednesday. Maybe we'll save it for Friday. Uh, we'll see how it goes. At least one more show coming your way this week. Subscribe, everybody. Then you'll know when these shows or in your feed and ready to go. Uh, so, yeah, it's a late one. Hit the thumbs up, everybody. We see you out there. Hit the thumbs up. We grind in the late in the late mm-hmm. morn, early mm-hmm. morn, late yep. night for you. He's Good Corey Maslon. Jeff Cameron Show, 1 to 3 o'clock. Tune in for that. It's been Wake Up War Champ presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill.